0: Hey guys, welcome to the Killing the Tea podcast. This is Gare
1: and Kate,
0: and we are going to be discussing all things chills, thrills, and kills. Kate and I are going to be talking about our favorite books, TV shows, and movies that are in the thriller or crime fiction genre, as well as some reading habits and other items related to how we met on Bookstagram um, that will fit in with this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you have fun and get totally terrified.
1: Hey, guys. This week, I am talking with Josh Winning about his new book that just came out this week called Burn the Negative, which is a really, really fun horror and suspense mashup. So if that already sounds good to you, you know you want to read it. But just to give a quick overview of it before we get into the conversation with him, um, Burn the Negative is about journalist Laura Warren, who arrives in LA to visit the set of a new streaming horror series. And she witnesses a man jumping from a bridge, landing right behind her car. Here we go, she thinks, it started. Because the series she's reporting on is a remake of a 90s horror flick. A cursed 90s horror flick, which she starred in as a child and has been running from her whole life. In the guest house, Laura played the little girl with a terrifying gift to tell people how the needle man would kill them. When eight of the cast and crew died in ways that eerily mirrored the movie's on-screen deaths, the film became a cult classic and ruined her life. Leaving it behind, Laura changed her name and her accent, dyed her hair, and moved across the Atlantic. But some scripts don't want to stay buried. Now, as the body count rises again, Laura finds herself on the run with her aspiring actress sister and a jaded psychic, hoping to end the curse once and for all, and to stay out of the needleman's lethal reach. So, if you love a lot of the thrillers that we love, I bet you're going to love this one too. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Josh. First, I wanted to cover, you do a lot of things. So you're a journalist, you're an author, you're a podcaster as well. So did you always know you wanted to write and kind of ended up in all of these professions? Or like, how did you end up going that direction?
0: I was always writing as a kid. Like When I first um, started like being creative as a young person, it was always writing books writing stories um, I used to rewrite books that I didn't like parts of at the ending of um, you know just for some reason I was always drawn to writing and so when you know it became my dream essentially to write books become an author uh, and then when I finished university I was just a bit like well how do I even do that um, how do I even get into that so I went to see yeah. my lecturer at university And she kind of said to me, well, you know, that's really difficult to get into. So have you ever thought about being a journalist? Mm -hmm. And uh, I hadn't thought about being a journalist because I just thought about, you know, journalism equals newspapers. And Mm -hmm. what do I know about the world? Yeah. Um, But because I had run websites about film and I'd written reviews about film, I'd even interviewed various people just through my website. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, film journalism, like that's a thing, right? Uh, so that's how I kind of moved into film journalism and yeah it's fantastic and it it kind of really helped me hone my my writing Um, and I don't think that I would have been I don't think I would have been successful in any way as an author if I hadn't been a journalist first because it taught me so many invaluable lessons about writing.
1: That's really cool and I bet since you were writing about stories like you're you're also probably just like thinking about story all the time that's what I find at least like the more stories I consume the more I can like understand story structure
0: oh I'm yeah like fascinated by story structure from watching anything I'm like okay right so they seeded that there this is the point this is the Yes. Point of no return you know yeah so you can't turn that stuff off it's just in there now yeah. <laughs> yes the
1: yeah that's I, I think that's really cool and I hadn't even thought of that because like I do I'm working on a novel right now but it's it's you know there's life happening as well too but I hadn't thought of how useful even just like writing about films or like thinking about films and stuff really would help until now so I'm glad you yeah. said that
0: well, because I feel like movies I feel like we almost um become um little miniature movie critics in ourselves, and you know we kind of if we say a movie's bad or we didn't like a film, I think mm-hmm. that there's probably something fundamental to that story mm-hmm. that doesn't quite work, so I think that we've become as like a species quite um sort of like intrinsically attuned to what good storytelling is like we know it when we see
1: it yeah replicating
0: it is like tough
1: (laughs) yes I completely agree because it's people people who probably would never think of writing can be like oh I loved that tv show I loved this but I just read I read save the cat writes a novel here recently and so I've been the same way now and now I'm like oh this is this is what's happening here and this is what's happening here and you like have a way to make sense of why it's good instead of just like a gut feeling basically
0: yeah yeah totally
1: yeah um so you have another book as well the shadow glass and it's also centered around filmmakers and kind of just like your hollywood types so is hollywood always a special interest for you too growing up
0: um i guess in sort of like a roundabout way because all the films that I love seem to mostly have come out of Hollywood you know it's the biggest yeah. film industry um I mean apart from Bollywood which is enormous as well I, you know Hollywood is right. this enormous space in film and it, it creates trends it creates um jobs you know it's such a, a massive thing it's impossible to escape in the English speaking world particularly mm-hmm. um and so, yeah, I, I don't really I don't know how I've ended up writing two books centered around films. It's just sort of yeah. happened.
1: It just <laughs> um, happened. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like maybe if you look at oh, back over my career, uh-huh. uh, such as it is, you might kind of go, oh, OK, well, this guy kind of knows movies. Um, and so he's writing what he knows, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I just find them interesting as well I think there's just so much going on with film I think Mm -hmm. there's so much more than just what you see on the screen right so that's just endlessly fascinating
1: right yeah I totally agree so with burn the negative what was it that inspired it for you like what was your what was like maybe like the first scene that came to you
0: Um, The first scene was the first scene in the book, pretty much, which was Laura on the plane flying to L.A. And then she's a journalist. She discovers that what she's going to write about is a horror series. that's a remake of the cursed horror film that she starred in as a child. So that was the that was always the opening of the book. Um, And I loved writing that because it was just like you are you are sort of like. Charging five thousand miles per hour through the air, there is no turning this plane around. You have to Mm -hmm. do this. It's also your job, so you are committed to this. So many people are relying on you. Yeah. Though I loved that that sense of sort of like frustration and helplessness and anger and fear, Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. happening in that that horrible tin can cramped space that is a plane. You know.
1: Yeah, it Um, was so elevated by the fact that she like she can't go anywhere in the literal moment, and she's kind of freaking out about where she's headed.
0: Yeah, she would have to hijack that plane herself and turn it around (laughs) in order to stop this happening. Yeah. Um, But she actually came to me second, the character. The character who came to me first was the psychic, um, Mm. Beverly. And Beverly Mm -hmm. has been hired by the production of this horror streaming series to sort of keep an eye on it and make sure nothing spooky happens, make sure nobody dies because the film that this series is based on um, is is infamous for the fact that many of its cast and crew died both during and after the production. So this psychic is there, but she's not there sort of like, she's not happy to be there. She thinks it's a ridiculous stunt. Mm. And and so I, I just loved the idea of having the journalist who isn't really sure a hundred percent if there is this curse and then the mm-hmm. psychic who's like a massive skeptic and doesn't believe in the curse yeah. whatsoever yeah and i just thought that would be such a fun sort of uh, uh dynamic to sort of play around yeah with.
1: yeah because you also that you typically are the psychics are the ones who are gonna be less skeptical so it's kind of fun to see one in a different role basically
0: yeah, I didn't want her to walk around and be like, there is a presence. You know, I didn't want her to, <laughs> yeah. to really believe this stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, she, I loved writing her. I, You know, I, you don't really find that out that much about her, really. I loved keeping her as this mysterious figure you're not, you're never 100% sure about.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and it kind of almost, it's just dawning on me too. Then when this stuff does start happening, like it makes it, seem even more real because like even she was skeptical of it too and I just yeah it's just hitting me now but yeah I
0: love, <laughs> love that <laughs> that's great I didn't think of that either but yeah totally. <laughs> yeah it
1: kind of like makes it even you're like oh wow she didn't even believe it and now stuff's happening so uh, uh, that is a really fun dynamic I love those characters oh, um man. so do you so it, it's actually like is a common trope in real life if there are tropes in real life of some film sets being haunted so do you have was there like a film set that you like a favorite one or like something that you were really interested in that was supposed to be haunted in real life
0: um i love the story it sounds a bit morbid but i love the story of um the phantom of the opera that was shot at mm-hmm. universal studios um and weirdly i only found out about that after i'd finished the book i was like, "This is." Oh, wow weird like writing this book i some really weird coincidences happened and that was one of them um the story of the phantom of the opera is they built stage 28 i think and they Mm -hmm. had to build this enormous space in which to house the um the royal opera house you know it's this enormous Mm -hmm. set that they built and somebody somebody did tragically die uh from falling um on that set and that's something that happens in *Burn the Negative*. I didn't know about that until, I mean, about a month ago. <laughs> wow, that,
1: so that is wild. Weird. Yeah, that's
0: kind of become my favorite. Like
1: yeah, I bet. Yeah, it would be be freaky to have happen happening in real life as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> but the the other thing your book kind of dives into is like, what is the actual price of fame? and just like everything related to fame. And so personally, I have always been someone who like I I would love to be around the action, like whether it would be as writing or like, I like the idea of being behind the scenes of really big things, but like not being recognizable necessarily. I don't prefer to be famous. So do you, what would your preference be in those situations?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely do not want to be in any kind of spotlight. I like being at home with my cat,
1: (laughs) you know, it's (laughs) it's
0: all safe. Um, no, fame to me is is like such a terrifying idea because the thought of people looking at you, judging you, mm-hmm. thinking they know who you are, like as an yeah. um introvert, that to me is is almost the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I completely
1: agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't I, I want
1: to be near yeah. it, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be in that spotlight. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, But I totally feels- get what you
0: mean about wanting to be near, you yeah. know, to see what, to be part of that collaborative mm-hmm. thing and, and see what actually happens behind the scenes. That yeah. would be really cool.
1: That's what I always think, like, my husband and I have talked about it before, but I always think, like, writers, especially on, like, really big, like, Breaking Bad, to have, like, been in a writer's room for something like that, like, that fascinates both of us so much but like so you can be like close to a project that exciting but then like you go home and no one's like snapping your picture on the way to the car
0: yeah so yeah exactly that's
1: how, that's how I've always felt there's only um, like I
0: think there's only so many people who are such avid fans of something like Breaking Bad where they actually do register who the writer is and who the director is I think that's yes that's like big time fan energy you know
1: <laughs> it is it is. It totally is. That was, it was the first show, I think, where I started to like, I like knew the producers, <laughs> I knew the writers. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be obsessed with a show. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Just all around. Um. So I saw on your website that you have been on quite a few sets yourself. Some of them are very cool. I won't list them all off, but, um, and kind of that you were there, I'm assuming to cover it in a, like a journalistic fashion. So was any of the story of Laura, like, inspired by, like, any of the stuff that you've done?
0: Oh, yeah, completely. Like, I ripped myself off to the nth degree completely. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, so the, the, the scene where she actually goes into this enormous guest house set that's been built on the soundstage, that was inspired by a British TV series that I visited called, um, oh, God, what's it called? Being Human? it was about Mm -hmm. a vampire a ghost and a, a werewolf and they're like roommates and they all live together in like a bed and breakfast or something um so I went on set for that in series three and I got to walk around this cozy little bed and breakfast and it was so surreal because we were in a warehouse and yet when you were inside the actual set you felt so at home and but also not, you know, like the doors could yeah. lead anywhere. You could open a wardrobe and there would maybe be like another room behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. It was kind
0: of spooky. So yeah, that was like sitting in the back of my mind as sort of like something to draw from at some mm-hmm. point.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I was on I, I was on a set <clears throat> a couple of years ago just doing some like behind the scenes video. And it was similarly creepy to like be inside something and then like you come out and it's just like, oh, there are a bunch of different rooms all around me. It's really disorienting at first if you haven't been in that situation for
0: sure. And I think especially in places like LA because you're outside in this blinding Mm. sunshine, it's so hot, so bright. And then you walk into this pitch black soundstage Mm -hmm. And it takes a second for your eyes to adjust to being in there. And then there's Mm -hmm. so many people running around, doing things, being busy. And then there's this sort of creation in the middle of the floor. And it's so surreal. I think the closest you could probably get to it is going into Hall H at Comic-Con, where you walk in the door and you go into this enormous amphitheater and it's so dark. It could be any time of day. It could be any time of year. You have no idea. And there's something mm-hmm. a bit spooky about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when it just like changes that quickly. And that's like, it's like what is what you don't think when you're watching a movie either. I've heard some actors too talk about how like watching movies is so different because they're like even more aware of the fact that like, oh, this isn't like where this person actually is or whatever. We're like, when we're used to watching it, it's just like, oh, that's like a real house probably or a real whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I yeah. love those old TV shows where you can tell that it's a backdrop <laughs> and they're in the studio, you know?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, at the time, everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, my co host, Gare, was going to be here and he had a doctor's appointment come up. So um. he really wanted to be here. But I don't know if you know, he does like castings of, um, books like who he would cast when he reads them so did you have anyone in mind for like any of your characters when you were writing it
0: i have seen those castings they're really cool i really like they're them cool? <laughs> um in terms of casting burn the negative i was kind of thinking about um winona Ryder for beverly the psychic
1: mm-hmm.
0: um in the yeah. book laura's favorite actor is winona Ryder, so i was kind of toying around with that yeah. vibe a little bit I was kind of a little bit thinking. This is a bit left field, but I was thinking about maybe Lena Dunham for Laura. Mm, I
1: love because that because
0: I would love to see her in a horror film. I mean, she did. That would
1: be great.
0: She was in a cult in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she was great yes, in that.
1: she was.
0: So I could, I could maybe see her doing it. Um, I like that. But if they wanted somebody sort of maybe more glamorous, or I don't know maybe it's someone right. like Florence Pugh like she's just yeah. badass and everything
1: she is so cool like every time yeah. she's in my feet I'm like how are you this cool all the time
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stop <being so> cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're setting the bar too high for us that would I would love that that would be really fun was there any like so is there any director's aesthetic that you would gravitate to for what you saw in your head
0: um, I was kind of thinking like John Carpenter because mm-hmm. he's he has that sort of grittiness to him mm-hmm. but he's also can be sort of quite stylized and, and um, otherworldly you know yeah. like Halloween yeah. has so many great blue spooky filters and stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um so if John Carpenter was like do you want me to do burn the negative? I'd be like, yes, I do.
1: Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it here. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, that would be that would be really cool. Were there were there any movies that you like paid homage to in the book or like any scenes from movies that inspired anything?
0: There are a lot of Easter eggs in this <laughs> book. Um, yeah. some of them it's it's funny because I'm such a scream. Kids, you know, I grew up mm-hmm. on the screen nice. franchise, and I, I also grew up, I basically grew up with Kevin Williamson. You know, I grew up with Dawson's Creek. Uh-huh. Um, all of his stuff is is heavily postmodern, heavily aware of culture, like pop culture.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think that I saw though all of that stuff at such an impressionable age that it's turned me into sort of a bit of a pop culture
1: mm-hmm. sort
0: of um. I don't know, not machine, because that sounds like I'm congratulating myself, but like a bit of a pop culture yeah. person where yeah. I just sort of speak in that way sometimes. You know, I yep. use films as references all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I'm writing, I do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why when Laura goes to a motel, she looks around and she sort of pictures Thelma and Louise around there, or obviously Norman Bates, or she pictures Guy mm-hmm. Pierce from uh, Memento, um, because that's kind of how I see stuff as well. I see it through yeah. like a, a bit of a movie prism.
1: That's Yeah, that's cool. I like that description. Um, there is, I, just, I'll just,
0: I will say there's, I would love to know if anybody picks up on a very specific <laughs> I know what you did last summer reference. <laughs>
1: Gary's is gonna be so mad that he's not here because he is such a scream <laughs> fan he's such an i know what you did last summer fan he's gonna be like god damn it <laughs> if he reads
0: it then i would love to know if he spots it because <laughs> I,
1: I don't think i don't think i caught it but i'm not i'm not like i don't know i like i haven't seen it as many times as i think he probably has is what i'm trying to okay. say <laughs> yeah. like it's been a while um yeah. but yeah yeah it, it is kind of like I, I do, I can't remember, I don't know. I thought I had an offshoot question of that, but I don't. Um, oh no, that's what it was, Needleman. That is like the most uh... one. Okay, there we go. So what was it like creating your villain for this one? Like, did you have like ideas from the get-go? Did it change a little bit or what? what was it there?
0: I kind of had a bit of a space there where I knew I wanted to put something... Hillary, but I didn't really have a, a full idea yet. Mm-hmm. And um I kind of looked at things like The Babadook and I looked at um Freddy <laughs> Krueger, I looked at Dark Man by Sam Raimi, and I just thought there's something very cool and timeless about that particular silhouette. Mm-hmm. You know, trench coat, bandages, hat, um, weird needly fingers. Um, you know, I just thought that was so. Different to everything else that was going on around um the plot. So to so to to shove him in there suddenly made it feel less like just a thriller and more like it was actually going to be a horror book.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It really was because like it that's like and on Goodreads or anywhere the beginning of it, the synopsis talks about how it's a horror suspense mashup. And it really is like both things. Like it's not. It doesn't feel super supernatural I guess that is the right <laughs> way to say that <laughs> that it feels like ungrounded if you're mostly a thriller fan or a suspense fan but it's also not like just suspense so that, that I, yeah I,
0: I think I was kind of trying to squeeze into like a really tiny narrow little gap between Riley Sager and Grady Hendrix um yeah You know, like I wanted to write thrillery stuff, but I also love pop culture, I love horror, I love playing around with tropes, so Mm -hmm. I thought I'm just going to try to wriggle into that little space and see what happens, and if it's terrible, it's terrible, but if it works, maybe I've found a little, you know, a little gap in there. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully I've managed to get in there. So, you know.
1: Yes, I think it's fun. Like I, some of my favorite or like more memorable books that I read are ones where like it is a genre mashup because they end up feeling so unique. I think that's that's part of it is it's not it's not like all of the most common ones in either genre.
0: Yeah, I love a genre pick and mix. I know that like marketing people hate it because Uh, they need to sell this thing as something easily definable. But I love when a book or a film just sort of like splices a bunch of stuff together and Mm -hmm. you get this really interesting sort of texture to it. It it makes something unique. Mm
1: -hmm. I totally agree. Um, So what we've been asking people at the end is, what books you've read recently that you would recommend to people or anything tv shows uh movies whatever but what have you been enjoying lately
0: okay so i've just a couple of months ago i read uh, mave fly by cj lead which okay. is going huge i'm seeing it everywhere have you heard yeah. about it
1: i have heard about it i haven't read it
0: okay i really recommend I it like if it. if you want horror that is horror it's like Okay. really horrific <laughs> but, <laughs> but spectacular so so good yeah. okay. um
1: awesome.
0: and I just watched Knock at the Cabin uh, mm. which is the movie adaptation of the Paul Tremblay novel which I really enjoyed I loved the queer narrative I loved yes. the way it played around with that setting I just thought it was fantastic
1: it was dreadful the whole <laughs> movie. like you know if your other one was horrific like we saw it in theaters and i was just like this is so gut-wrenching <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it really gets you yeah. Um, and i'm finally watching i know i'm super behind the rest of the world but i'm finally watching the last of us oh um, nice which i'm really enjoying
1: such good storytelling that's I've like seen it. another yeah we watched we watched it Actually, I think we have we like binge watched all of the episodes except the finale, like the week leading up to the finale. Uh, so we were a little bit late on it too. But like, there were some people who were like, "There's barely any zombies, or like it's not as action packed." And I'm like, "It's because they're telling stories." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I
1: love it. it. You don't want to show the
0: monster too much. much.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. If yeah. you show the monsters too much, it, it just becomes the threat loses any sort of um, right. traction you know
1: I agree I agree you know, it doesn't like, such Sorry. Yeah, no no you're fine I was just gonna say it's it's like you also. it's another one where you just feel dread the whole time because you're not sure it's not like they're showing up all the time you're just kind of like oh yeah something bad could happen
0: <laughs> yeah and when they turn up they are horrifying they don't yeah. let you down
1: yeah um for sure i love that one a lot too so where should people follow you to keep up with everything you're doing
0: i'm on twitter at josh winning i'm on instagram at joshua winning and if you want to go old school and check out my website it's (laughs) joshuawinning.com yes (laughs) Big up the websites
1: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for coming on and talking about your book today
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun.